Our gospel lesson will serve as the basis for our sermon this morning. It comes from Matthew chapter 21. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Good morning. How are you guys today? Good. I want to talk to you guys a little bit about this word, Hosanna, that we've been singing about and saying and hearing in our sermon text today. It's kind of an interesting word with interesting history to it. Have you guys ever heard of the Passover? If you've been to Sunday school or read one of those story Bibles at home with your parents, you might have heard about the time when God's people were slaves in the land of Egypt. And then with his powerful hand, God brought his people out of Egypt and they walked through the Red Sea on dry ground to safety. Now, the Passover was a a, a night when God had sent what we call a plague to the people of Egypt. And the Pharaoh in Egypt, the king in Egypt, he would not let the people go. Do you remember that? Moses kept saying, let my people go, and he wouldn't let them go. And so finally the Lord said, I'm going to take away Pharaoh's oldest son. I'm going to take away the person he loves the most. In fact, I'm going to take away the oldest son in every house in Egypt, and that will make the Egyptians want my people to leave. But you might remember God told his people to take a little lamb, an innocent one-year-old lamb, and to sacrifice it and to take some of the blood and paint it on the doorframe of their house so that when the angel passed over, no one in the Israelite houses would die, only in Egyptian houses. Well, that's exactly what happened. God spared his people. There was a lot of sadness in Egypt, and the Pharaoh said, get out of here, I don't want you to come back anymore. Well, every year, God said, I want you to remember the Passover, every single year. And in the Psalms, which is kind of like the hymnal, like this is a hymnal, right? The Psalms is kind of like the hymnal for the Old Testament. There were a couple Psalms in a row that helped the people get ready for Passover, and they would say them when they were traveling to Jerusalem for the Passover. Psalms 113, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18, 113 through 118. They're all about God bringing his people out of Egypt and remembering all that God did. Now, we're celebrating Palm Sunday when Jesus was riding into Jerusalem, and there were a ton of people there, and there's a reason for that. There were a ton of people there because it was time to celebrate the Passover, and everybody was coming to celebrate the Passover, 
And on their way to Jerusalem, they had all been singing these songs. And in Psalm 118, one of the parts of the song is Hosanna, which means, Lord, save us. And so they had already been praising the Lord and remembering how God saved them from the Egyptians. And now they're coming into Jerusalem, and here's this Jesus, this man that they had been hearing about who had done all these amazing things, and they think, oh, maybe he could save us, just like God did back in Egypt. You see, at the time of Jesus, there was another nation that was very powerful, the Romans. And they had soldiers all over Jerusalem, and they had basically taken over Jerusalem, and the people of Israel didn't like the Romans very much. And they're thinking, Hosanna, Hosanna, Jesus can come and save us just like God did back in Egypt. The problem is just a few days later, you might remember that those same people were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And this week, we're going to hear that happen again. That the people who shouted, Hosanna, save us, a few days later, were shouting, crucify him. You see, it turned out Jesus was not the kind of king that they were looking for. They thought they knew exactly what kind of king they needed, but it turned out it was the kind of king they wanted, not the kind of king they needed. Jesus has not come to be the kind of king that we want. He's not come to make this life perfect. He came to be the kind of king that we need, the kind of king who came to suffer for us, to rescue us from sin, death, and hell, and to give us eternal life in heaven. Today we're going to talk about how Jesus is not the kind of king that we want deep down inside, but he is the kind of king that we need. He gives us every reason to shout, Hosanna, save us, and we know that he will. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for being exactly the kind of king that we need, for being willing to ride toward your own death on a cross, for being willing to be our savior, even though it meant your destruction. We thank you for saving us and we ask that you would help us to better appreciate exactly who you are today and this week as we once again journey to the cross and empty tomb. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As I've mentioned to you a number of times, we are following a order of readings that cycles every three years. And we are in the year when we focus mostly on gospel lessons from Matthew's gospel. And so today, I just wanted to give you a little summary of what Matthew has said about who Jesus is up to this point. You might say that a great theme of Matthew's gospel is this attempt to answer the question, who is Jesus? And in the very, very first verse of Matthew's gospel, we hear Matthew tell us, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Right off the bat, very first verse, Matthew wants you to know exactly who Jesus is. The Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And as you page through, it's one example after the next of people getting it right and people getting it wrong, but it's people constantly wanting to know, who is this? When the Magi show up 
after Jesus is born. They go to Herod and they ask, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? So these wise men, these magi from the east, they come to Jerusalem and they're looking for the king of the Jews. They think Jesus is a king. A little later, when Jesus is baptized, remember what the father says from heaven? This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And you might remember that right after Jesus' baptism, he's tempted by Satan. Remember what Satan asks? If you really are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. So then Satan's questioning whether or not Jesus is actually the Son of God. And as we continue to page through Matthew, we see one example after the next, miracles where he heals people from incredible disease and sickness. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, that three-chapter section, we hear the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So there's an example of Jesus as the authoritative teacher. There's a Roman centurion who has a servant who's paralyzed. And Jesus says, shall I come and heal him for you? And the centurion says, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. A little later, a rich man comes to Jesus and he says, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. People were starting to get an idea of who Jesus was. He had been working miracles. God had been revealing him to be the Son of God, the promised Savior, the promised Messiah, the Savior of the world. Two blind men followed Jesus and called out, Have mercy on us, Son of David. And he opened their eyes. But then the Jewish leaders who saw this happen said, It's by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. He's working for Satan. He couldn't do these amazing things unless he was on the devil's team. And on and on it goes. As you page through Matthew's gospel, just one example after the next, John the Baptist, towards the end of his life, is a little concerned. Are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? John had been pointing to Jesus, the promised promised Messiah. And now in his last moments, he wants to know, are you really the Messiah? And Jesus says, go tell John what you see and hear. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Jesus claiming, I've been doing exactly what the prophets said the Messiah would do. You get to our text for today, to Matthew chapter 21, and towards the end, the crowds are all stirred up. They want to know, who is this? And the answer that we hear is, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. Matthew tells us earlier in this account, as he quotes our Old Testament lesson from Zechariah chapter 9, that Jesus is the king. See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. It seems the people who shouted Hosanna that day 
We're confident that Jesus was some kind of king. It seems reasonable that they thought he was a prophet because they say as much. This is the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. But as we discussed in the children's devotion, they wanted a very specific kind of king. They wanted a very specific kind of prophet. It turns out that Jesus was not the kind of king, not the kind of prophet that they wanted. This is a really important thing for us to wrestle with on Palm Sunday as we prepare to journey with Jesus toward the cross and empty tomb once again this Holy Week. Deep down, you want Jesus to be a certain kind of king. And as you look at your life, you look at the world in which you live, and you hear the things that you hear coming from the news, all over the internet, and you wonder, what is going on? What is the world coming to? Why are things going the way they're going? You want a king who can unite those who are divided. You want a king who could solve all these problems. And man, I, I, I thought about writing out a list of problems that you might see in the world around you, and I just gave up. I said, they, I don't need to. They, they know in their own mind, you all have this list of problems that you see in your own life, this list of problems that you see in our state, in our community, in our nation, that you'd like to see solved, right? Don't you? Don't you see all sorts of things you'd like to see different? I do. And you want a king who could solve those problems. You want a king who could fix society. You want a king who could fix broken relationships between people who are blood relatives but are so divided because of politics they can't hardly be in the same room with one another. You want a king who could just bring us all together again, who can unite us around a common idea. And that's not to bring up any of the other sufferings that we experience in our personal lives connected to health and sickness, all sorts of diseases that ravage those we love as we watch them deteriorate moment after moment, and even death itself. It's good for us to wrestle with this question, who is Jesus, today, on Palm Sunday, before we get to Monday Thursday and Good Friday and Easter Sunday, because the temptation to look for the wrong kind of Jesus is just as real for you and for me as for anyone else, including those who shouted Hosanna on Palm Sunday. And if we're not careful, we, we run the risk of going through Holy Week and finding ourselves on Easter Monday disappointed because nothing's really changed. All the problems we see are still there. If we go into Holy Week with the wrong idea of who Jesus is, we will come out disappointed because he's not the kind of king that our hearts crave deep down. Luke's gospel has an interesting detail that's not included in Matthew's. 
Jesus is riding to Jerusalem and he gets to the top of the Mount of Olives and there's this valley called the Kidron Valley between the Mount of Olives and Jerusalem. And so when Jesus comes up to the top of the Mount of Olives on his colt to the shouts of Hosanna, he gets this incredible view of Jerusalem. And when he looks out, he sees his people. He sees people just like you and me. People who need him, but have no idea what's going on. He says, to the, he says at the top of the hill, if you, even you, had known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will leave not one stone on another. Because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. The fact that these people in Jerusalem missed who Jesus was, even after it had been so clear through the miracles, through the voice of God at his baptism, through the proclamation of Jesus himself, even though it was very clear at this point who Jesus was and what he had come to do, so many in Jerusalem completely missed God's coming to them. And the result would be a kind of earthly suffering that we have a hard time imagining, but maybe more and more we're able to see. A nation completely crumbling. A nation destroyed by its enemies. And that's exactly what would happen to Jerusalem just a few decades later. You and I need to hear this warning. As we celebrate the coming of our king today, the king who rode to a cross, who did it because it was his great joy. This Holy Week, I want you to do what the writer to the Hebrews discusses. I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus. I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus as he's in the upper room teaching his disciples, as he institutes his Holy Supper, where he takes a little piece of bread and a little bit of wine, and he gives it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and drink, this is my blood, poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus as you see him willingly go toward the cross. Where you see him willingly suffer and enduring our hell, our death. I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus as he emerges from the tomb. And I want you to remember that he did this for you. Fix your eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What was the joy set before him? Maybe I should ask who was the joy set before him? You are. You are the joy set before Jesus. You are the reason that he went to the cross. 
It brings him great joy to know that he will spend eternity with you. His companions made perfect by his own blood. Jesus' greatest joy is you being with him forever. Me being with him forever. That's why he did this. That's why he went to the cross. To take care of our greatest needs. To remove our sin, our guilt, our shame. To remove it once and for all. To give his perfect life to you and to me as a gift. So that you and I will be welcomed into paradise. This year I want you to remember who Jesus is. He's exactly the king that you need. He's the prophet that God promised, the priest who offered himself as a sacrifice for sin, the king who rules justly and victoriously, the king who will return to raise all the dead and bring us to be with him forever in paradise. Remember who Jesus is. He's not the king you want, but he is the king you need. Amen.